Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me on a Saturday. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about quantumental investing. It's the combination of quantitative execution using proprietary algorithms that are provided by the Armour Report. We combine that with a fundamental foundation, and together that creates the information edge that I'm sharing with you every weekend. Um, Okay, what we're going to get to today, obviously, election week was a major week. So we're going to go over step one. What do the algorithms tell us about the top seven indexes? Okay, the seven indexes we follow that drive risk decisions, when to commit capital, when to take it off, and how we behave when we get that flip from managing risk to adding risk. Okay, then we are definitely, I know you're all waiting for this. We are definitely going to be talking about the cannabis couch. Okay. Um, This is the week we've been waiting for. And let me tell you, that cannabis couch is all about sativa right now. It's euphoria. It's creativity. We're going to go at it. Okay. We're going to touch on precious metals. We have to do it. Because precious metals, and believe it or not, the cannabis story are intertwined. And we're going to go over that. Um, we'll share with you what our armor portfolios look like, what are the stocks that we've been positioning, and we'll go over armor chart chat so you can see why we're choosing these names and how they're performing. And then, of course, I'll get to your Q&A at the end, so don't forget to fill up the message board, and we'll just start going through it. So without further ado, let's hop in and remind you of a couple of things. Number one, if you appreciate this conversation, give me a thumbs up. That always helps. You can subscribe to this YouTube channel right here is a subscription. You can click on it. You can also subscribe to the Armor Report, ARMRReport.com. I'll let you look into that at your leisure. The information I'm providing you is about uh, processes, steps, and information that I use to manage my own capital and that of investors I work with through our interactive brokers relationship. I don't know you, although I feel like I know a lot of you after the months and months we've been doing this together, but I don't know you. I don't know what your portfolios look like, so I'm not telling you what to do in the stock market. I couldn't possibly do that, okay? If you want that type of granular information and help, then you can consider subscribing to the Armour Report down here, you know, or becoming um, part of our interactive brokers relationship, and we can work that way. But for the sake of these conversations, Please take the information with the spirit with which it's intended, which is I've been doing this over 30 years. I'm trying to share my success and failure with you so that you can become a better investor on your own. Okay. Investing correctly, investing like a professional is about a process that you stick with ruthlessly. You don't let news cycles or market behavior change the process. And so that's what I'm trying to share with you. That's the armor investing way. The first thing I want to tell you, let's dive in. Obviously, the risk monitor has turned from red to green this week. So we were red before the election. 
at the end of the day on the third, the risk monitor had started to turn green and by the fourth, full on green signal. So what do we do when we go risk on green? I'm gonna walk you through that process of what it means. The Armour Investing Way says you've got five days to fill out your portfolio. This is a very difficult time in the life of an investor, even for me. I've been doing this years. This is my own strategy I'm sharing with you. So um, you would expect me to be comfortable, but even for me, it's a very strange process to go from maximum cash to maximum invested in a five-day window. And I'm going to share with you in a minute the importance of the speed with which we put capital to work. But before I do, I want to share this chart with you. I think it's important for us to review how the market behaved after the election in 2016. Now, here's the caveat. We all know history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme sometimes. And that's why I want you to look at this. So without further ado, what you're seeing now is the S&P, and this is the most recent risk on buy signal. For those of you who are new to this process, all these green and red and yellow arrows tell you what the risk monitor is doing. So the, out, the Armour Report has a risk monitor page for all Armour insiders, which are our subscribers. You go to that page and you can just simply see what are the algorithms telling us, okay? So right in here, the algorithm said, get long the market. Even though the S&P had dropped 40% in a month and a half, we were telling everybody to get long the market. And actually, I should put this right here to remind you all, um, this day right here was a risk monitor red day, okay? Which was the first day of the market collapse. On the 24th of February, we went to 100% cash, okay? Then we get long right here using the algorithms not using our emotions, not looking at the news cycle, which was uh, um, you know, devastating, but using algorithms. I wanna look at you for a minute. Algorithms that we incorporate are not neural networks. They're not crystal balls. They're not black boxes written by MIT grads that try to guess market direction, okay? These are probability and statistical algorithms. They're based, if I had to boil it down for you, on analysis of reward versus risk. If reward and risk are the same, we're not putting capital to work. If reward to risk, risk is higher, we definitely don't put capital to work. But when we get to situations where reward can be enormous and risk manageable, that's when the algorithms get long the market. So as an example, you would say, how did you get long at the bottom of the market? It's not because we guessed the bottom. It's more a function of we were out at the top because risk was skyrocketing and reward from that level was minuscule. So it was easy to take our, our positions out when stops were hit, okay? And down here, we were saying very simply, if this is the right entry point, reward's enormous. And what's the risk from here? You put a position on, you put a stop loss in, you step out. Maybe the risk was 5%. Yet the reward was enormous. And of course, we've had a huge year 
And so that was accurate. And here it is again. We get out right here. We get back in um, uh, less than a month later. So not every exit point results in a collapse. In fact, I would, I would say most exit points do not result in a collapse. Most of the time, the market's going higher. We just don't know when this type of collapse is going to occur. And so we protect capital first. Armor stands for algorithmic risk management. So we're managing risk. We did it again here. Step back up here. We stepped out here and immediately stepped back in as the market sets up a double bottom at the 100-day moving average. And then it does something it hasn't done since the 1980s. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Okay? Something we haven't seen except for three times in history. Pretty crazy. We'll go back to that in a minute. But what I want to share with you right now is a review of 2016. I want you to see what the market did in 2016. First, before we get there, let me just do this. Before we get there, look at what the market did this time around. It breached a new high, then broke back below it and is fighting with this red line, which is the high from February. Okay. Now let's go look at what happened leading up to and through the election of 2016. And we're going to look at this time frame right here. We had the same type of pattern, which is a red line with a bunch of tops. The market broke out above that line and then violated the line. And then we had the election. I'm going to blow it up real quick for a second so you can see what happened. Market gapped up the day after the election. Okay. And look what the market did all the way through January 30th of the following year. Wait a minute. January 30th of 2018. So look what the market did. This is 2016. The market ripped higher for more than a year, ladies and gentlemen, more than a year without really giving you time to breathe. It had a couple of pullbacks to the 50-day moving average, basically ripped higher. Now let's look at what happened in a little bit of a shorter time period because this is what matters more to us. From the buy signal, the day after the election, through March of the following year, the market ripped higher with very little opportunity to buy it. In fact, it didn't touch the 50-day moving average until late March the following year. Why am I going over this? Because for those of you who are saying to yourself, I'll wait for the pullback, the market doesn't always give you a pullback. And that's particularly true around major events where volatility and options behavior reverses and drives buying that is mechanical. It's a mechanical bull market. 20 to 25% of volume every day are the options market makers managing their risk and positions. So you have huge positions taken in front of an election or a big event on either side, okay, of a location, a price. Depending on the results of the event, you get a move above or below that location 
that creates wicked selling or aggressive buying because the biggest guy in the, the biggest elephant, if you will, which are the options market makers, are forced to buy the underlining or sell the underlying based on um, the structure. And so when you look at this chart of 2016, you say, why did it do that? Why? Did everyone just figure out Trump was going to be great for the economy? Not, not really. Now, over time, president took over in January. We start to hear about what he's going to be doing, blah, blah, blah. You can argue some of that. But in the beginning, that first move that just rips and never gives you, it's like a face melter that doesn't give you an entry point. A lot of that has to do with what we call gamma. Now, I don't want to get off on the weeds here. Let's just look at the chart. And what I wanted to show you about 2016, the thought that the news cycle is so scary we can't put money to work, I submit to you, it was the same type of thought in 2016. People were shocked Trump won. Shocked. People didn't know what to do. Markets started going up. No one understood why. Okay, so here we are, 2020. We have an election that's being disputed. We have all the news cycle and reasons why to stay out of the market. And yet the market did something it hasn't done since 1980. And that is the S&P was up 1% or more four days in a row. It also happened in 1970 and 1974, or 1972 and 1974. Each of those three times, the market was up more than 20% 12 months later. Now, that's a tiny data set, so it probably doesn't mean anything. But I will tell you, that is a rare, rare occurrence. That is extreme bullish behavior. Can there be an event over the weekend related to this election that messes up this whole picture? Sure there is. That can always be true. Any night you go to sleep, you can wake up in the morning and something terrible has happened that's ruined an investment approach. We don't invest. We don't manage money based on guessing what a news cycle may or may not be. You can also walk into a casino and put all your money down on snake eyes and roll the dice. Hey, you might win one out of 42 times or whatever it is, right? 42 to one is the, uh, is the, uh, the odds on that, I think. I don't know. My point being, you'll lose a lot of money that way, even though you might be right once in a blue moon. So, the armor investing way is to get rid of that noise and to follow an execution strategy. We get risk on green. We have five days of capital to work. We look at previous cycles to give us a guide of what's happening. That's why I wanted to share 2016 with you. It's not a stretch. Now you could say to me, Brett, it was because of Trump. Everybody, you know, Trump, did a lot of great things for the economy. The market was anticipating that. And I got to be honest with you, I don't really agree with that, okay? What happened was a shock that was resolved. The market took out prices and ripped. Here's another reason why that happens. During times of stress and shock, I submit to you that the Fed is adding liquidity. The market knows this. The market front runs this. You'll notice during times of quiet, kind of friendly news cycles, the market starts to put in tops. Market starts to sell off. The Fed's already done their work, okay? 
So you can argue in a mechanical bull market, you have a Fed that's incredibly easy. You have a massive stimulus package that's going to be passed one way or the other. This is massive liquidity. I've told you guys again and again, what drives equity prices is liquidity. It's not the news cycle. So the question now is, how do we put money to work? Um, the armor investing way, when we get a risk on buy signal, is to put all of our capital to work that we want to put to work. I'm not telling you how much capital put to work. I'll tell you what we're doing. But if you say, I want to hold 30% cash, great. Then put 70% of your capital to work and do it over five days. That's the armor investing way, okay? You figure out how much risk you want and the time to put the capital to work is when the windows open. I'll submit to you that while it feels good to wait and put the capital, to out, put the capital out a little bit at a time over five days, statistically speaking, if you look over a large body of evidence, the more capital you put to work day one and day two of the risk on signal, the better the performance. Here's the reason why. It's pretty simple. It's statistics. When we get a risk on entry point, there's a high probability that the market will go high enough for us to raise stops to protect our principal. The risk on entry points for armor reports does not guarantee that the market's going to skyrocket. I don't know how much the market will go up. But what it does say is we should get a bump high enough to raise stops to break even, to wall off our risk of principal, and then we just start managing success, playing with the house's money. Okay? That's what we're saying. And so will there be times where we put capital to work and the very next week we get stopped out? Absolutely. It could happen next week. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next week. The whole thing could implode and we get stopped out of everything and it's a terrible week. It's possible. But guess what? In the armor portfolios, we were incredibly aggressive the minute the move started. So we've got profits already. The whole thing implodes and it brings us back to break even. That'll be frustrating. It'll be a disappointment. Not so much for me because I've been doing this so long, I realize it's just statistics. Nobody's out to get us. Statistically speaking, 70 to 80% of the time, the market's going higher. From this entry point, 20 to 30% of the time, the market's going to sell off, right? So two or three times out of 10, we're going to get clipped. Seven or eight times out of 10, you know, could be eight times in a better year. Like this year, it's been unbelievable. And actually, this year, every risk on entry point has given us a chance to make money. That's not normal. 100% is not normal. Okay. So I realize I might get clipped and that'll happen. But I know over time, the more capital I put to work earlier in the cycle, the more protected my capital. See, that's the thing. If we put our capital to work day one and day two, which we did last week, we already have fat gains. If we wait until day four and five put capital out, and then the market implodes, we're cutting into profits, uh, uh, principal, instead of having a cushion of profits. Okay? Moving on. Um, 
I wanted to share with you some chart patterns now of stocks that we've been buying and the market. And I wanted to tell you this. On the website, armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com, on the home page, scroll down a bit, you're going to see my reading list. I only have two stocks, uh, two stocks, two books there now. And I want to add a third, Reminiscence of a Stock Operator by Jesse Livermore. It's one of the greatest books of all time. Anyway, one of those books is called Candle Power. I suggest you get the book. I suggest you learn and understand candlestick charting. It's probably the very core of the trigger system we use at the Armour Report to put positions on. We look for candlestick reversals and overlay that on top of algorithmic uh, behavior. And that's how we find entry points. One of the most rare and powerful buy signals, triggers, buy triggers, is a three white soldier. It's called three white soldiers. I'm not going to give you a lesson on candlestick power today, but I'll say two things. Number one, read that book, understand the triggers, but don't get lost in the minutia. Don't feel like when you're looking at chart patterns and you say, well, this is not exactly the definition of a three white soldier. So I, this doesn't count. Okay. That's going to be a waste of your time. The object is to look for the general communication that the market's telling you. And what I'm saying is these charts we're going to look at are three white soldiers. It's rare. 82% of the time, it means the assets going higher. 82% of the time. Armour reports about getting on the right side of probabilities and statistics. So we use algorithms on the indexes to put capital to work that say, statistically speaking, there's a high probability the market's going up. Then we look at individual stocks and we look for triggers using algorithms. I'm saying to you, three white soldiers and chart patterns that resemble three white soldiers. Okay. Let's don't have a debate on how this is not exact. Okay. Uh, that resembles it. The market's trying to tell you something. It's an aggressive move. 82% of the time, the asset goes higher. There are a number of high quality stocks showing us three white soldiers last week. So many, we couldn't buy them all. So many that we had a huge day Friday. The alpha we had Friday was enormous. And yet I was still cursing at my desk because I was missing stocks that were blowing out. I didn't have any more cash left. I'm fully invested. Look at these chart patterns. This is just the S&P still. So you can see that unbelievable rip, okay? So I'm not saying that the whole next year is going to be that great. I'm sure a lot of that had to do with President Trump and all the things he did for the economy, which were brilliant. Love him or hate him, that's up to you. But um, all the things he did to create economic growth worked, and the market loved it. So that's probably why we had this huge rip. I'm not necessarily calling for that if we have a blue wave that takes over everything. All right, so let's go like this. Let's go like this. Let's open this up. First of all, three white soldiers. So what you have here is gap up, gap up, gap up. In the S&P, no less, four days in a row, 1% are up moves. That's sick. 
All right. Look at the cues. One, two, three. These are these are three white soldiers. It's in, it's insane that move. Let me try to. Um, share with you one other thing. Oops. Having technical difficulties. Please stand by. Thank you. All right. We are going to customize this and make it a little bit shorter so that we don't get stuck waiting for Trade Station. All right, let's go through some of our chart patterns. These are some of the, this is like the chart chat section of the Armour Report, right? Pinterest is our number one stock in our portfolio. Pinterest, blowout on earnings. And let's just pull this together, right? I told you all about Pinterest. Right back here, I said, oh, the shock's the street. We already went over this. Things skyrocketed. Now we have another earnings announcement that blows away the street, okay? And the stock is ripping higher the last four days. Let's look at Roku. Three massive white uh, soldiers. Bang, bang, bang. And that's on a huge earnings beat. Roku skyrocketing. Now, here's a stock I did not own, right? And it makes me sick, right? Skyrocketing earnings. Let's take a look at Google for a minute. Google's outperforming all its other big cap brethren. Now, let me explain why. We just looked at four chart patterns. Google, Pinterest, Roku, and Trade Desk. Those four companies are revolutionizing the ad spend world. And they're all leading the stock market. And I told you guys about that weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. There's a paradigmatic shift going on in ad spend. And those four companies dominate it. It's no surprise those stocks went through the roof. Let's keep going. These are, these are names in the Armour Report, right? One, two, three, skyrocket. Another blowout earnings number. AVLR, MDB. One, two, three. Not a skyrocket yet, but gap, gap, right? Let's keep going. Um, how about Apple. Perfect. Three bar reversal. Look at that. One, two, three. How about Microsoft? One, two, three. These are unique patterns, guys, that typically resolve higher. And they're all over the stock market. So I could keep going, but I feel we should move on with this conversation. I could go on all afternoon about these patterns. There's one after another after another. It's really, it's really unbelievable. Okay. And so all of this plays into the fact, what do we have? Risk monitor turns green. Four huge updates in the S&P of more than 1%, which is almost unheard of. Individual stock after individual stock with three white soldier breakouts, which has an 82% chance of going higher. So, all of the probabilities are in our favor. Does it mean the market can't collapse next week? No. no it, it definitely could. If it does, we'll hit our stop losses. 
we'll step aside and we'll shake our head and say, this time it didn't work. But at the moment, everything is on our side for higher prices. Um, we're halfway, half an hour through this. So let me just rip through a couple of things I want to share with you. I'm going to get to the cannabis couch in a second. Okay. What I want to look at now is precious metals. I told all of you, all the Armored Insiders and in the last couple of weekends you all have watched and I've said to you, when GDX closes above 40, we will get long this group again. That is precisely what we did last week. By the end of the day, Thursday, we were long all of our precious metals names we want to be long. What we, what we think is happening is the next short squeeze setting up. First of all, we never exited we never exited our physical gold position. P-H-Y-S is the physical gold position we have. It made a nice double bottom on the 100-day moving average, never broke the uptrend line, and has advanced. And if you guys remember, I shared with you last weekend that we were going to have an extra big position on Sprott physical gold going into the election. So that worked. Okay? Now we look at silver. And I submit to you that the selling that took, we're looking at SLV right now, but I submit to you the selling that took place right back here at the end of March and the selling that just took place right in here, okay, is so similar. It's a classic paper takedown while the physical market continues to be constrained, while physical bullion continues to be swallowed up at a record pace. So what we saw was a hit job right here, clearing out all the weak holders, while the insiders, the JP Morgans of the world, were socking away the bullion, the physical. And when they're done putting that away, the manipulation's over, and the asset rips higher. Same thing happened here. And so what I submit to you now is silver closes, and it actually had a little gap up here on Thursday, and you've got a perfect double bottom at the 100-day moving average, clearing the tops here. We'd like to see silver probably clear 26 um, on uh, the SI, the silver future, which is like 25. I'd like to see it close above 25 on SLV. When that happens, I think it gets real legs. But do you take a position now in silver right here? The risk reward is perfect. If it breaks back below the gap up day, it's over. Trade's over. Take it off. But if it starts to move higher in here, you can have a rip up into the 30s. Okay, and what are the stocks we own? Well, you guys know, Newmont Mining is one of our favorite, had a blowout quarter. Right in here, they blew out the quarter, and so it's led the whole group up. Four white soldiers, not just three, but I mean three right here, one, two, three, right? Another three white soldier jump. Agnico Eagle, never really sold off, held the 50-day moving average. That stock looks best, even though it didn't have a huge week, it's because it didn't have a lot of catching up to do. 
How about Franco Nevada? A beautiful, had a huge quarter. Blowout quarter, breaks the downtrend. I love risk-reward setups, okay, where I can see a very clear stop. This is the breakout day. It takes out the low of that day. I'm done. I have no interest in owning the stock. So my stop is tight, and my upside's, uh, you know, enormous. If the next round of short squeeze unfolds like we think in the metals. And American silver, same pattern. And then, of course, our old favorite and the best-looking stock in the group, Ag Silver, making new highs way before anybody else in the industry is making new highs. At least the one, I mean, there's so many. I'm sure there's other names making new highs, but the ones that I like, the ones in my universe, okay, the ones on our whiteboard. And then here's a bonus, guys. I'm going to share with you a chart pattern. I'm going to share with you a chart pattern of a gold stock that I just think can't be avoided. And we've, we've avoided it in the past for various reasons. There were some uh, arguments of accounting improprieties, whatnot. All that's behind them. That was just a ridiculous takedown by a short seller. So wait for it. Here comes the chart pattern. You won't see a better cup and handle than this. And that's Nova Gold. I mean, it's just a classic cup and handle. It's just, you can't avoid the, the, the obvious nature of that pattern, along with a weekly, clear weekly cup and handle. This thing takes out 12 and it's, you know, Katie bar the proverbial door. All right, so now let's get to the cannabis couch and then I'll take your questions. You and I have been on this journey for a couple of years when it comes to cannabis. We made some money early and I, I begged and I pleaded with all of you, okay, to get out of this space. In May of 2019, May of 2019, I said, please, please get out of the space. You guys can go look at the videos. I got a playlist for you. All of our cannabis discussions going back a couple of years. I said something's wrong with this group. Okay. So back here in May, as it broke below the 200 day moving average, I said, this game is over and we have to avoid the space. And it's been an unbelievable grind lower. Now, starting this year, we started to put some money to work and we traded it once and we traded it twice. And we're actually net positive before this week ever started trading these stocks because there's a base, a clear base being formed in the cannabis stocks. But what happened last week is the dinner bell ringing for any cannabis investor. Is it a guarantee the market goes up? No, no. The whole thing could reverse. Who knows? Donald Trump could pull a rabbit out of a hat and somehow all the steam comes out of these stocks for a couple of days. But what I said to you last week before the election is, I don't care who gets elected president. I care about those five cannabis amendments from five different states. All five of them passed. And they passed in some states where people wouldn't think they'd pass. I mean, South Dakota 
The governor of South Dakota, she's crazy. She hates cannabis. She told everyone they made a mistake. They passed it. Mississippi, deep red state, I was shocked. They passed it. Now the dominoes are going to start to fall. New York, Connecticut. I mean, it's happening, guys. We're going to get a stimulus package. It's very possible in that package is a safe banking act. Everything we've been waiting for is happening. We had positions, a foothold in cannabis names before the election. Canopy growth is what we focus on. The reason we focus on canopy growth is that institutions who want a piece of this investment pie, the first place they're going to go is canopy. Stop debating with me about how Canadian companies don't have access to U.S. markets. Institutions don't care about that right now. If they see rules changing in the U.S., they can't buy the U.S. MSOs. They trade on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Right? We've already gone through this. There's a bunch of investment banks that won't let you hold the stock in your account. There's clearinghouses that won't clear trades. So big institutions are not going to go buy U.S. MSOs. What they will buy is canopy growth. Billions of dollars of cash in the balance sheet. New chief executive from Constellation Brands. Connection to Constellation Brands. That's the first place they're going to go for real institutional money. And look at the volume coming in down here over the last five, six trading sessions. Now you say to me, what about ACB? I have no interest in a piece of junk like ACB. They constantly have to dilute shareholders. I don't care that the stock was up 75%. I think that's great. It's wonderful. I'm glad it's up 75%. I hope you guys made a fortune on it. I'm talking about investing. For Armour Portfolios, we are investing in the two Canadian names with the most amount of cash and the new management teams. I was on the Kronos conference call. It's a new chief executive from the consumer packaged goods space who has a great track record of, of driving growth for CPG products. He's taking over for Kronos. Inside the Kronos numbers, they had a better than expected Canadian revenue number. The rest of the numbers were god awful. But if you look through the numbers, the Canadian revenue is better than expected. If Canopy Growth, on their earnings announcement in the next couple of days, I think it's a week from now, can show better than expected Canadian growth, we are we are primed for the stock to skyrocket. Now, hold your horses. I don't know what the company is going to say on the conference call. They could screw it up for all I know. I don't know. The last conference call, they said on the call, quote, we can't keep our beverages on the shelf. They stock them and they're gone. Okay? So if they come back, this earnings announcement, and they continue to say that, and their revenue numbers are outstripping analyst estimates, what I submit to you is, based on what we just saw in the election and the interest from institutions to get involved here, this stock could explode. Now, what would be the downside? Well, if the company is perceived to be stocking shelves and the beverage is not moving, so we're going to look at days sales outstanding, DSOs. How long is a beverage sitting on the shelf? 
right? Or is it still ripping off so fast they can't keep it supplied? So we have to watch that figure. We don't know if they had a good quarter in Canada. Who knows? Maybe they you know, somehow blew it again and their revenue number's down. I don't know. So I'm not here to tell you that I guarantee the stock's going up. I don't know what the number's going to be. I'm just saying if they hit the number, if they can surprise, the ground is fertile for a big move. So those are the two stocks we're focused on. Now, those of you who want to know where are we when it comes to U.S. MSOs, I'm going to tell you right now, let me look at you for a second. I want to make sure we're all clear on this. I cannot, as a fiduciary, tell you to go buy a stock on the Canadian Stock Exchange, okay? I'm not telling you to buy anything. This is a show about what I'm doing personally and for the people I run money for. You make your own decisions here. But I've said for quite some time now that there are four names that I want to own in the U.S. space. There's only four names. We bought these names before the election. We added to them after the election. Cresco Labs. Cureleaf. Now, to be fair, we bought the stock here, just so you know where we are. Okay, We bought Cureleaf on that day. Actually, this day right here. The first up day. We bought Cresco right here. So the stock's already up big. I'm certainly not telling you to buy it now, right? It's already up big, and we doubled our position after the election. Okay? Cresco. We bought Cresco on the same day, right here, on this day, right here. Stock's already up. Right? As an Armor Insider, all Armor Insiders know this. I put it on our spreadsheet. I shared with you the information. Okay? So, green thumb. The position was added, as you can guess. Whoops. Right here. That was the day. We added it that day. And we doubled the position after the election. All right? And then, of course, the fourth one. And, the you know... I used to say the best, but green, the green thumb's awesome. You know, we added, of course, um, truly right in here. That was the day to buy it. We bought it. We told everybody about it. If you're not an Armour Insider, you might want to consider becoming one. You can subscribe right down there, armorreport.com, A-R-M-R-Report.com, okay? So it's real. It's happening. A couple of ideas guys have been asking me about. Grow generation and, and, and innovative properties. I don't talk about those two stocks. So let's go over why. Grow generation, I thought was the greatest idea ever, but I hated the management team, right? We bought the stock cheap. We made 300% on our money in the stock. I booked my profit. I'm rolling that profit into the US MSOs where I like the management team and I like the business opportunity, okay? I just can't get myself to buy the stock here unless somebody comes out and tells me that there's a new management team in town. It's not that the stock can't go up and have at it, guys. I hope you make even more money on the idea. I've just moved on from here. Now, IIPR. I talked myself right out of this trade this year, and I'm so sorry about it. Do you guys remember this chart pattern? 
In fact, it might be still written. Yeah. I told everybody at the beginning of 2020, the number one pot stock to own was going to be innovative properties. We paid 75, 65 for it. It was up 37% eight weeks. The stock is blown out and I don't own it. I totally talked myself out of it. After making a lot of good money, I made, made good money in it. And I rotated the money out. My concern here, when it's been wrong, is that when we get a safe banking act, the business model for IIPR is going to change. You can drive a truck through the margins right now because there's nowhere else to go for US MSOs to raise cash at a reasonable rate. If we get a safe banking act passed and banks are willing to lend to the US MSOs at a reasonable rate, it's going to drive down the ROI for innovative properties investments. And that's why I've avoided it. But obviously, that was, I was way too far out with that thought. And I've missed a huge upside. I'm definitely not chasing the stock here. If I ever was to buy the stock again, I would probably do it after they announced the next secondary. Because I think they've blown through the cash that they did in the last time. So they need to do another offering to buy more properties. So, you know, the best time to buy the stock is on weakness like that. Anyway, that's where I am in that stock. So at the end of this, um, the end of today's report, armor report, if you will, I want you to leave thinking these thoughts. We've got the right risk on signal. All the probabilities in our favor. We're committing capital aggressively. We're buying metal stocks and cannabis stocks. They kind of go together. The reason they go together is that if you get a Biden victory and if you end up getting a Democratic Senate, so now we have two runoffs in January in Georgia, where you know an obscene amount of money is going to be spent by the left to try to win those things, okay? And no doubt by the right. So it's going to be an ugly battle. If it's blue-blue in the White House and the Senate, if you believe the rhetoric that politicians tell you, which, you know, who knows what's going to happen, right? But the amount of profligate spending that's going to go on in an economy that's contracting because of the policies that the Democratic Party espouses, on the one hand, you're going to have ripping cannabis companies, right? Because we're going to legalize pot, okay? So that's just going to go through the roof. On the other hand, you're going to get devaluation of the dollar of epic proportion, massive stimulus packages with no checks and balances. That is an ideal scenario to own gold and silver, okay? I'll just leave you on this one chart pattern. Curious what it looks like. I haven't looked at it. Let me take a peek. Oh, yeah. You got to see this. That's a chart of the U.S. dollar. I've showed you this before. It's a head and shoulders breakdown, and now it's accelerating again after a short consolidation. When the U.S. dollar is breaking down, that's just wind under the wings of gold and silver. And with that, 
I take your questions, my friends. Thanks for spending time with me today. All right. What do we have here? Odell. Amazing growth prospects. All right. Jason, let's take a peek. Is that O or Q? Q Dell. Qdell, rapid diagnostic test, infectious diseases. All right, I'll do a little research on that. Christina, how are you? Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. Mark Anderson, how do you play earnings like getting in front of the earnings whispers or whatever the strategies are for getting in front of one. Okay. I don't get in front of anything. Um, I don't specifically get in front of anything because of earnings. I use algorithms and entry points to put positions on. If it happens to happen in front of an earnings number, like Roku, for instance, and it's on my whiteboard, I buy it. I buy a, a reduced size because the volatility is such that I don't want to get caught in a disaster, but I want a foothold if it's a blowout. So I don't, I don't believe in any strategy where there's a whisper and you know this or that. That's just, in my opinion, complete snake oil that someone's trying to sell. And if you look over a long period of time at someone's track record of doing that, it's not going to be very great. They're going to have blowups. They're going to have some successes. And they're going to tell you about all their successes. You know, it's just not a way to invest. You invest for other reasons and you get rewarded because the earnings are right. That's how I do it. Fun twos. Hello, I want to invest. Well, have at it, my friend. Hope you do. Tech Monkey, how are you, Deb? What's happening? CGC definitely, but what are your thoughts on YOLO and MJ now that you... Um, YOLO and MJ, you could definitely do YOLO. I don't need to look at charts. YOLO and MJ... I personally want to invest in the cream of the crop, the best names with the biggest cash positions and have a, that have a fortress for a balance sheet. That's how I manage risk. <clears throat> and then I would use YOLO and MJ to hedge. So if I put these positions, I already have these positions on and they skyrocket instead of selling some Kronos or, you know, canopy growth, I want to ride it as long as I can. But if I, if I feel like it's overdone, I might short MJ to protect profits for a short period of time. That's how I use ETFs generally. I feel that I'm a, the whole point of what I do for a living is to create edge by having information that makes money for people. So I don't need an ETF. I'm going to do the research and the work to come up with the information that will put me in the best stocks. And I use the ETF as a hedge. Did, okay, did SDGR end up on the top of the whiteboard? SDGR. Let's take a look at the chart. Okay. So SDGR has not made it into a portfolio yet, and it's not at the top of the whiteboard. It's going to announce earnings in five days. It shouldn't really be an earnings story yet. They're losing money. So it shouldn't really matter what the earnings number is. It's more of what they say about their business. Not a bad chart pattern. 
not a bad chart pattern. And I do like the basic idea of this company, but it's not in the portfolio. Revisit IBM. You know what? IBM should be in the portfolio. I just don't have room for it right now. Okay. This is a lagging stock with a 20 relative strength. We sold it before the earnings disappointment. And so now I'm waiting for a different market environment where, where I get a different chart pattern that I want to own. But fundamentally, fundamentally, I think this, I think owning IBM long-term is the right thing to do. And you could pick up the dividend while you wait. It's just from an opportunity cost of money, I'd rather own other things right now. Erez, how are you doing? Nice to see you. NXPI. Erez, I'll be honest with you. There are so many unbelievable names in the semiconductor space. We just can't fit them all. Now, I know you're an Armor Insider, so you already know what we did add was AMD, NVIDIA, and Marvell last week. Um, there's nothing wrong with this chart pattern. It certainly looks great. I don't have any you know, information about their business that I could share with you. Um, but we could talk about this in the Slack room on Monday morning. Okay. So we'll go do a little bit of work, but you know, what we did buy is we added shares of AMD because I love that chart pattern. That's a double bottom on the 50 day moving average after a beautiful cup and handle breakout with a 93 relative strength. Okay. So we're going to add that name, which we did, right? We added NVIDIA because you just don't get a better cup and handle than that on NVIDIA. We added that early. So that thing's running. It looks great. 96 relative strength and all that. And of course, we added shares of Marvell early Friday morning. So we caught this whole run up. Okay. And there's a perfect three. I mean, that's a massive three. That's a three white army is what that is. Okay. And we discussed doing that. I know, Eras, that's one of your favorite names. It has been for a long time. And when we see blowouts of earnings for Qualcomm and um, QRVO because of their 5G plays, so, I mean, Marvel's a 5G layup, and that's why we added that. So it was at the top of our whiteboard. We knew we wanted to own it. We used algorithms to find the entry point. We picked it off first thing in the morning, and the stock was up 8% by the end of the day for us. Welcome to the Armor Investing Way. Um, Raymond, heads up, watch Dish. All right. Not a business model I have an interest in, but let us know how it goes for you. Just have no interest in that business model whatsoever. When it comes to investments, um, there's so many other places I'd rather put money. So a lot of investing is opportunity cost of money, Ray. Don't forget that. Where else can you go to make more money than what you're looking at? That's why I don't own IBM right now, even though I like the name. All right. Um, why does Wall Street hate Slack? And what would it take? Very bullish long term. That's a good question. I'll answer that question for you. There's Slack. And it may be setting up a basin here. It's possible. But here's the problem with Slack right now. Here's the number one problem. It's Microsoft. It's Microsoft Teams. Now, you could tell me that 
it's not nearly as good as Slack. And I totally agree with you. I use Slack every day. All Armor Insiders are part of the Slack trading desk. So we share information all day while the markets are, you know, are open. In, and actually, we share information 24 hours a day because we have Armor Insiders all over the world and we seem to be talking all the time. But, um, and I tried Teams. I literally looked into Teams to see would that be a better platform to move all Armor Insiders to? And the answer was a resounding no. But the problem is it's elongating the sales cycle for Slack in many cases. And so the revenue and earnings moves aren't what Wall Street's looking for right now. And then we see Slack who said for, if you remember, we left this investment back, you know, back here. We made money, by the way, in the stock, right? We, we bought it right back in here. We had a nice run. We booked 30% of our gains before the earnings. We sold it after the earnings and still had a fat profit, right? We tried an investment right here and we got out right around break even, maybe a small profit, and we've avoided it since. And here's the biggest reason. Management said something made no sense to me. On the one hand, they've been saying for month after month, quarter after quarter, Microsoft is not a challenger to us. Business is big enough for both of us. The, the teams doesn't, doesn't really compete with us. And then they went out there and filed a lawsuit against Microsoft and the European Union, you know, because of business practices. I mean, the only reason you would do that is because Microsoft, for some reason, is either stopping your sales or eating your lunch. And the minute we heard that, I said, I just can't play this stock anymore until that changes. So my guess is I won't be in the stock until we see a, a, a real earnings beat. Listen to that conference call and believe there's momentum behind it. And there just isn't right now. All right. Um, Beyond, okay, let's look. I'm just going to rifle through some charts here. Some things I don't have an opinion on, I'll tell you. For instance, I have no opinion on Zoom, okay? I don't know why anybody owns Zoom, and the stock keeps going up without me, so. No, my computer doesn't want to show me Zoom. Great. There's Zoom. Okay. I got nothing to say about Zoom. Clearly, I've missed it all the way up, and I'm not buying it up here. Beyond Meat. I just don't like the Beyond Meat story, and so I'm not buying it. I don't care that maybe somebody likes to eat it. I don't think it's a business model that I have an interest in. Highly competitive, other products coming online, feels like a fad to me. I just have no interest in it. Wheat and Precious Metals. Love this idea, but it's been lagging, so it didn't make it into the portfolio this time. I didn't like this breakdown here. But, of course, it's part of the GDX, and if that's going up, the stock is probably going up with it. What do you think about Workhorse? A um, lot of hype in Workhorse. No chart pattern I have an interest in buying right now. If it sets up a pattern that makes sense, maybe I'd look into it again. But uh, too much hype around EVs for me to have an interest at the moment. No interest in Kern. This is very important, guys. Okay. Um, I've looked into this company repeatedly. Uh, Rick, I'm, I'm, I have no interest in buying Kern. I, there's other U.S. cannabis companies that I would much rather focus on at this stage in the cycle. I get what Kern does. It's a software company helping uh, um, U.S. MSOs, you know, uh, deal with the rigorous uh, regulations. It should be a great idea. 
I think it's too early in the process. Here's the reason why. These MSOs have a hard enough time when it comes to paying onerous tax rates and an inability to raise capital while they try to capture massive market opportunity. They do not have time to spend a lot of money on this type of software right now. So Kerna to me is later in the cycle, a year or two from now. That's when I probably want to own the stock. Okay. Why C Why C BB? CBD Med. Um, no, no information on this company. Branding and marketing consumer products focus on lifestyle based. I have no opinion on that stock. Can't help you with it. Don't even know it. I can look into it, but I usually don't pay too much attention to penny stocks or stocks that are this small. The market cap on this is so tiny. It's not a stock that I'm going to be able to invest in. So I don't take my time and, and look into it. Andrew, I just want to thank you. Oh, Andrew, I really appreciate that, my friend. Thank you as an Armour Insider and one that really gives back to the community. I appreciate it. You know, we're an armory of analysts, as I like to say. All Armour Insiders are bringing such great ideas to the Armour Slack trading room that it really creates a powerful community. And I look at our Armour algorithms as like a tank division that's backing up the army of, of, of you know, of, um, of analysts. And that's how we create the edge. And so I appreciate all the work you're doing in the room. All right, we're going to wrap up here. It's already been an hour, but let's look at um, TGX and plug. All beauties, Joe Black. All right, Joe, let's take a look at these names. TGX. TXG. Okay, I'll take a look at it. I'm not going to add it here, but it might get to the whiteboard at some point. Plug power, there's just too much excitement around it, so I'm going to have to look for another entry point. I'm not going to chase that stock. And I'll listen to that conference call in a couple of days and see if I want to add it. And I know Cadence Design is a good company, so um, nothing wrong with that. TTCF. Tech Monkey is out the last choice. Anybody else got a question? Load it up, or we're out of here. We're going to start our weekend. Tattoo, tattooed chef, plant-based prepared foods and ingredients in California and Italy. <laughs> Interesting. And see, that's kind of my point, though. You know, and thank you for helping me make it. Beyond Meat, Tattooed Chef, Impossible Foods, or whatever it is. Like, where's the differentiation? Where's the moat around the business? It's just a land grab in, in a grocery store. It's just not a business model I have an interest in. Guys, I appreciate your time this weekend. I look forward to seeing all of, all of you next week. I'll post videos as I can for the YouTube community. And, of course, Armor Insiders, I'll see you bright and early, 8.30 Monday morning for our morning call so we get ready for the day. All right? Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care.